Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. guys welcome back to another episode of social antics another marketing podcast uh thanks for joining us this is week 18 i think week 18 dave dave is looking bewildered at me there he hasn't no idea it's another week <laughs> another week how, uh, how i barely week? know what day of the week it is at the moment with covid it's the same four walls can't it's do anything about it ticking clock kind of above you in the room can you oh just god t- am i it was there was there on was it saturday morning or something like that where it was announced that show the eu were temporarily pulling the astrazeneca vaccine i was like fuck sake here we go again like Another this is just it's unbelievable oh it's just like it's just depressing news story after depressing and then you that poor girl um over in the uk yeah. and the protests also it's just like one after the other it's just a series of depressing news stories at the moment like you know but you look we drive on you drive on i think it was a good chat last week with uh dinny um, talking all things influencer marketing, content creation, social media. I think it was actually really interesting to hear from someone on the ground doing it as well. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, no, I thought no, I thought it was great. Look, the guy clearly knows what he's doing. Very, very successful at what he does, and I think it's um, it, it's interesting when you kind of and you know, like I probably had a bit of a cut at a couple of points in no. terms of more the con- <laughs> more the concepts and the phrases and stuff like that around. Oh, I actually, I actually thought influencer. you were you were quite reserved. Actually, I was waiting for more to be honest. I know. Yeah, I took it out of my students the following day. I was like, <laughs> I was on a podcast like that last night, and this is what I wanted to say. <laughs> no, I think we got we in fairness we got a great reaction throughout the week of um, you know, people that listen to it that would be involved in social media and stuff as well, and and getting his point of view on things and how he actually you know runs social media. But it was really really interesting to hear the whole side of influencer marketing because you know. Uh, Dennis in particular would be you know would use it for for his business you know and probably a lot more than we would maybe engage in it so I think it was interesting to hear someone that actually works with it day to day yeah no entirely and I think it, it what I what I the one thing actually that I took the most out of it was when he was talking about running the I'm not forgetting this roundup but Miss Tralee or something like yeah, that or yeah, whatever it was area, yeah, yeah and um and he was talking about the culture which supported that event yeah so like the idea of like all the all the people involved supporting each other it being a very very collegial atmosphere and it being kind of um i hate using the word authentic but it being some sort of real it wasn't really false and that obviously comes across then in social media if people are actually genuinely having a good time and they're promoting these events via that it obviously makes it, it, it becomes across as a lot more real rather than just all kind of fake and this associated influencer marketing. And that that was the real point that did, did it did it change did it change your opinion to maybe look at influencer marketing for campaigns going forward? No, I've no pro- no, no no no. Just to be absolutely clear, <laughs> I have no problem using suppose- influencer marketing for campaigns if it is viable. My point is is that if you have there, there has been a kind of um. A kind of a, a rebuttal towards influencer marketing in the last kind of 12 well, to 18 months. I think that's months. more so, like, I think you have to go back to what I was saying last week. You have to break down maybe influencer market or sorry, influencers, break them down into their categories. You know, it's become um, washed with, you know, you know the, the, the beauty style of stuff and, you know, the fashion and, the, you know, that's become the influencer... I know go to almost you know that people think when they think influencer that's what they think but there's there's there is a lot more to it and as I said last week 
I'm much more of someone, you know, finding someone that's more influential, you know, in the industry that you're in, like, you know, so, you know, if we're looking at something and maybe you, you know, something you work with in terms of B2B and tech, who would you look to, to promote that? It wouldn't be, you know, someone that's involved in makeup or fashion. No, that'd be, if you, no, no, that's absolutely, no, that's absolutely true. But for me, it's, uh, regardless of the industry, it comes down to the actual, the person in and of itself and what they do. And that's why the point that I'd be very strong about is that the the influencer and again one of the main reasons why that industry is falling to pieces is because it's called like people don't like being sold to um but the the point that i was making was that if you are a content creator and you're renowned for your content rather than being renowned for being an influencer then you are going to be more impactful in terms of the audience that you're going to go after and you come across as more genuine and real because you're actually creating this this content if you're someone who people are just using as an ad pony to just pump their own stuff out into the world without any credibility or trust being built between you and them just because you've got a large audience. That, to me, doesn't work anymore. People aren't going to be sold to. With the celebrities, it's different because that's celebrity endorsement. Ignore the term influencer. It's celebrity endorsement. And that has always worked for a variety of different reasons and there's loads of studies to back that stuff up. It's the mid-tier guys that can either be very, very effective or they can be very, very damaging. And I think it's the... It's the guys that are really, really good at content creation and people are fans of that content in and of itself rather than fans of the person, shall we say. Um, Now, I know those are obviously linked, I suppose, but ultimately that's what you need to look at when you're talking about influencer marketing. This idea of people going around the place looking for freebies saying, I'm an influencer. People are going to get sick of that. It comes across as very disingenuous and I don't think it's good for the marketing industry in and of itself because it makes us seem even more bloody kind of false than we already are and let's call it yeah. spade marketing is a very very false um game in terms of what in terms don't of the communication that we're trying to present don't walk us out of a job yet huh? don't walk us out of a job no, yet no this is I'm an academic I'm allowed to get away with it um, but like th- that kind of stuff has to be looked at clearly and again you're absolutely right splitting up between macro level influencers micro level influencers meso level and that's not just in terms of the numerics in terms of what you're trying to reach but you need to break down well i think you said it there like i think like small businesses can look into influencers we're going to call it that that's what it is but you know you have to kind of take it for what it is but look into someone as you said that's content creating and it doesn't have to be approaching someone that has fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, even twenty thousand. go lower again because realistically they're actually real followers they're not do you know um something that's been built up over time of a campaign i worked on two years ago and got me a whole lot of followers you know it's not it's not fake in that sense you know but in terms of following someone that might have a thousand two thousand three thousand but they're actually people that are interested in what they're doing you know so whether it's you know some a little foodie uh, and locally or a blog site maybe that's just putting up something like you know we'd have here in cork we'd have loads of blog sites that are putting up something purely out of the fact that they just want to promote cork as a place or go every even, city has it go even more granular than that if you were if i was the owner of a coffee shop in the morning and i wanted to promote myself to let's say the up and coming the students shall we say yeah. um not now obviously because they're all not on campus um <laughs> but if when things go back to normal go into instagram type in coffee into your search feed narrow that down to location of kind of ucc um look at the top 100 let's say people who've posted a photograph of coffee or lunch or whatever the case may be if who are students who profile. are students and then you send them a direct message and basically go if you come down take a snap of your food here uh, try it out if you like it you like it and post it up online either way we'll give it to you for free 
that's genuine because you're just giving someone a lunch and people aren't going around and say, oh, look at me, I'm an influencer. It's genuinely looking for people to just come and review your review your product, basically. Do you know what I mean? And that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think you need to... Influencer marketing in and of itself is is kind of... It's a complete misnomer because we, we always just exclusively talk about influencer marketing. Whereas in actuality, like we always say, you've got to go back to the business and the objectives that you have in your business. So if you look at um, Mercedes, for example, Mercedes use influencers to reach a younger audience that they can't reach because they don't have access to them. They can't buy that audience anymore like they used to with television. So therefore, by them partnering with photographers and getting those guys to create their brand assets oh, and linking it actually, back yeah, into their followers. That was a great campaign, actually. Hugely, yeah. hugely, um, hugely beneficial for any, for campaign. For anyone who doesn't listen, basically, they gave away, it was a five, five cars. To one, five, one car. No, but they, they gave, they, they landed five cars with five influencers content creators I should say in this sense and basically they were told them go off create content for a week or something like that yeah. wasn't it and basically whoever got the most engagement Likes, and yeah. reach and all this kind of stuff through their social from the content they created with the cars basically got to keep the cars exactly but ultimately that whole thing stemmed from the premise of they needed to reduce the average age of their consumer mm. they couldn't do it because it would come across as false therefore they needed to cut they needed to partner with another brand shall we say or a group of people who have access to this audience and who can be as I always say to my kind of students, they're conduits that allow you reshape your brand meaning. Because if you're, if you have someone communicating things about your brand, that changes the meaning of your brand because it's not being communicated by you; it's being communicated by someone else. So there's an amalgamation of brand meanings and stuff that goes on there. So again, going back to understanding the business case and then understanding the culture of people who you're trying to uh, target, and then understanding the culture in relation to the influencers and how they exist and how they communicate, that to me is worth discussing and analysing, not just this concept of influencers, do you know what I mean? And again, in that situation, they didn't say we partnered with five influencers on Instagram. They said we partnered with five photographers because people followed these guys because they were photographers photographers. so again that's what i'm talking about when it comes to content creation don't look at how influential someone is look at what they actually do and why people follow them and use that as your basis to make decision on how you can work or partner with these people i think when businesses go to approach like it's not as daunting as this might seem you know when you're going on the more micro level of, of approaching someone i'm personally me when it comes to my work I'm not big into pumping someone with 500 euro, 1,000 euro just to do a post. I have no interest whatsoever. I would rather go and cheekily message someone and say, hey, are you interested in trying something? Do you know? And, and see what they come back with. All they can tell you is the fuck off. It basically. works, it works, you know? it works. Well. So like, go or or not even ask them sometimes, you know, if there's a way you can reach them or you know, you know, you know, a, an avenue to get to them or whatever it is. Basically, getting content to, or sorry, getting products to people for them to try it, you never know. They might share it. But if you're doing that, you have to have a good product. You do have to go. You have to be able to. And you have to have a good brand to support it because people aren't going to, in the same way that I would be critical of influencers and how they kind of operate, I would also be critical of brands who think that they have the divine right to partner with certain people who have good content because if you've got a terrible product, someone who's good at photography or someone who's good at making vlogs on food, they're not going to just partner with you on the basis that. You you're are paying food. them you are it's this, simple yeah. as that you need to be in line you need to be aligned with them and their audience as much as they need to be aligned with you and your audience so again that that whole it, it's a very very complex dynamic that happens in terms of them um, in terms of influencer marketing but it was good that we got into it last week i think a little bit with someone on the ground who obviously uses influencers quite a lot and one thing say. i like that he mentioned is and we've talked about before in terms of i think we've read an episode there on you know um 
agency or in-house you know basically in terms of content creation or, or running your social but but then he talked about um you know that his the business he works with the the, the motor company um basically gives him free reign to to try things try out different and obviously look it's not that it's free you know these things are costing money whether it's time or it's actual input in terms of money but being i think having someone in your business that's creative and giving them the freedom to do a bit of trial and error testing is always beneficial i think you know if you're putting someone in that role to do it so it's great to be actually able to hear you know and we would hear a few businesses that definitely would look for someone to come in and take a grasp of you know whether it's social or whether it's content creation or whatever it is but i think it's great when the business actually does it you know and to be able to hear that and it's not like he's working with a cheap product no 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 it's a bloody expensive <laughs> product it's, a, it's yeah, yeah. expensive so like you know it's it's big decision making you know so if you if you get that wrong you know it's, it's big cost to a business yeah 100 percent. um and i get like it's a bit straight like look it's the difference between marketing and sales right no one is going to buy a bmw based on the strength of the marketing of the dealership yeah there's a huge other ecosystem going on there and ultimately it's a sales there has to be a dead boy like, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, in terms of this week, an exciting pop-up for you in terms of news. So, it always interesting is that, so you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the idea of Airbnb, and they were uh, reducing their marketing spend um, yeah. by a half, basically. They said, no, we're more focused on kind of brand building and stuff like that. So, interestingly enough, then, it just kind of, um, it came up um, during the week when I was doing my um, doing my research for the episode for a change. 20 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, basically, it said that Just Eat, in 2020, so 2020 accounts, basically, showed that uh, Just Eat increases marketing investment by about 158% uh, to, to about 369 uh, million euros um, to grow their market share. Now, interestingly enough, even though they've increased it by 50%, partially on account of COVID as well, as a percentage of their overall revenue, um, it's down to about 18% of overall revenue from 34%. So even though they're increasing, it's decreased as a ratio of their overall revenue. And I think this is really, really interesting because the problem with the Just Eats and the Deliveroo's and the Uber Eats of this world is that they've never made a profit. And therefore, they are now trying to scale their business in a different way whereby they can generate excess revenue whilst decreasing the percentage of marketing spend constantly. And this is a good starting point in that. Now, ultimately, they still lost money. Um, they posted revenues of about 2.4 billion um, euros. Um, EBITDA grew uh, by 18% uh, to about 217 million. Um, but the company registered a 151 million, um, 1 million loss. And that's obviously in conjunction with their uh, 5.8 billion acquisition of um, of takeaway, um, of, of, sorry, of uh, Grubhub. So, there's um so it's just interesting to kind of see the dynamic that's happening in that particular um in that particular industry and then in conjunction with that then it also just to look at some of the other competitors within that particular space um Domino's basically said that they are also going to be increasing their marketing spend in 2020 um 2021 uh, last year they posted sales of 1.3 billion pounds uh, which was a rise of about 11.4% uh, compared to 2019 and had that basically represents a profit of about 100, um, 100 million pounds, which is the complete opposite to Just Eat, which is constantly posting um, posting a loss. So it's quite interesting with the kind of um, the takeaway wars, if you want to call it that. A lot of the more established brands out there, like your Domino's, are posting a profit um, and they're finding a way to make this work, whereas a lot of the marketplace apps are still 
hugely struggling to make an impact in this particular area in terms of profitability their value of is obviously still astronomical but in terms of their actual posting a profit they're still really really struggling so that business model and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago Deliveroo them being put under pressure in terms of how they're treating their employees as gig workers and stuff like that so it's going to be a very very interesting few years I think especially next year when even though they're saying that they're going to increase their revenue year on year I can't imagine if we come out of covid that they are going to have as much revenue next year as they would have done this year. Or I struggle to see it anyway. No, definitely. Like, it's just, it's simple, really. People are at home, people are ordering. You know, like, of course they're going to be making, and making money. But in terms of next year, it's, I think people are just going to be dying to get back out. Especially for the first couple of months. They're going to want to get out of home. They're not going to be cooking. They're going to be going out, trying the restaurants, pubs. So you are going to see a more of a surge back into probably the drink sector. And that's what we'll hear about. Now, whether it's, massive profit in terms of years before it might not be but it's it's going to be news because it's a surge in in revenue for those for that industry yeah no 100 percent. I, I i just think that i i think that whole industry is fascinating in and of itself because again it's in the kind of um they fall into the realm of businesses that don't make sense logically like i mean logically if you're looking at a business and it's constantly posted a loss that business model doesn't make sense but there's obviously a land grab that they're looking for which is going to occur over the next five to ten years which will make them extremely profitable into the future but at the moment they're still spending a huge amount on marketing advertising obviously if we've just kind of spoke about and they're still not getting to to profitability and this is on the foot of them charging restaurants an absolute fortune to actually use their product like if you're using just eat your commission that you're paying them is somewhere between 25 and 30 percent now anyone who's in the restaurant space knows that that's a big chunk of your margin it's huge so there's kind of um even though it means that it's kind of um for want of a better word a lot of restaurants see it as kind of um free money in that it's customers that they wouldn't have had otherwise Mm. i think as consumers start gravitating more and more to these marketplace apps it is that it is starting to eat into those companies profit now because opposed to previously you ring in your chinese and them taking all the profit from that you're now given 30 percent of yeah. it to, to your delivery you're, you're, bat- you're, bat- you're battling with the, the marketing team for delivery because your company is now missing out if you're not on the app so you have to take the loss of that 30 percent as you said to gain to gain the customers that you never had yeah and there's a cannibalization effect there right because you've now got an intermediary just eat that isn't making any money the profitability of the restaurant is decreased. So you're kind of wondering and you're looking going, what, <laughs> what's, what, what's the benefit of the intermediate? Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. kind of looking at it and going from a business perspective, from the consumer's perspective, yeah. it obviously makes sense in terms of choice and stuff like that. And look, some of the technology, like you remember a number of years ago where you'd ring, you'd ring someone up and you'd go, oh, well, where's my delivery kind of a thing? Like, just you don't actually have a track or delivery do. Um, so it's, it's just interesting to see how that industry is going to develop over the next number of years. And as well as that too, hugely competitive. Like delivery, Uber Eats, Just Eat, massive competition going on in that particular sector, massive marketing spend, um, and still none of them are really posting a profit. So it's going to be interesting. Well, I would imagine, like when you talk there about the costs of these businesses running, like, you know, the, the, the deliveries and Uber Eats, the majority of their spend is on nothing but marketing and advertising. Marketing, advertising. That's what and then it is like. You've got ancillary spend then as well, obviously. So customer support yeah. would obviously be quite important there. Um, but yeah, no, mainly that like is, the, that is like, the cost. Like when, it like. comes to, when it comes to the sales side of things, like I know from dealing with Deliveroo before, you would have one person and they would look after 
you know, a cork if it's big, but literally like, you know, you take a bit smaller, they'll take in half a monster kind yeah. of things, you know. Yeah. So that's one person and to be honest, that's one person that has to deal with all those restaurants when things go wrong because and then it's only passed on to customers. Oh no, and I've heard I've heard it for, like I've heard it from people who've used it that like if they want to change their menu, it's a struggle. Oh stop. <laughs> it's know? a nightmare. Like they look, they are getting better in terms of, you know, giving the, the, the customer a profile that you can log yeah, in yeah, and do yeah, it. Yeah. But um, but no, no matter what, like you're you're ringing, giving out to this one person. And realistically, as we've talked before, in terms of gig economy and people changing and swapping jobs and you know the high turnover of employment, I think in in the space of about three years of dealing with Deliveroo, a restaurant I used to work with, um, I'd say I dealt with three account managers in the space of that three years, if not more. Like you know, so how how is it? How are you meant to? You know, they were always coming to me saying, you know, we build up promotions and we'll do this over this time and next thing three months later you ring in and all oh, the person you're dealing with is gone you're dealing with this person and then you're back to square one again you know so it's very very hard unless you're one of the big boys on Deliveroo to make it impactful for your business to, to jump in you know and be competitive with those companies yeah I know entirely and look it's a straight like I always find these ones difficult Twitter isn't now Twitter started kind of turning a profit recently enough but I always find these kind of difficult ones to, to teach as well mm. because if you look at the kind of big tech economy at the moment, the, the, the all the biggest companies are kind of posting, but with the exception of Facebook, Amazon, all of the kind of mid-tier companies, a lot of them are posting a loss. And it's very, very kind of difficult to explain to students. Like, something that big worth this much is constantly posting a loss, has never made money. Their business model doesn't make sense from an ec- economic perspective, but yet they're looking for a kind of a land grab in the future that is going to allow them to actually be to actually be sure, profitable we, I think we've talked about it before in terms of Amazon like wasn't it Amazon put like 90% or more or whatever back into R&D but it, everything goes back in so they actually don't make that much money at the end of the year in terms of profit because they pump everything back into as you said research and development and what's the next big but thing with, but with Amazon sure. see like with Amazon though that strategy made sense because that whole strategy was based around taking cost centers so things that would be an expenditure on your balance sheet every year or on your profit and loss every year and turning that into a revenue generator mm. so Amazon Freight yeah. is now a profitable element of Amazon now Business 101 tells you that if you are an e-commerce store, you don't make money off of shipping. You lose a fortune. That's one of your main cost centers. So, again, the R&D that they put into and that Amazon put into um, uh, put into things like freight, into cloud and so on and so forth. Those are all to change those cost centers into profit or revenue making elements of their business. With Just Eat, they're not really investing in R&D. No, they obviously are, but not as much. It's all going into sales, marketing, advertising, and they're growing the business. People are using it. People like the product, but they're still not posting a profit. So where's the threshold? Do you know what I mean? Well, ultimately, what you need is you need a couple of these players to die off and for one or two of them to be left over um, and for them but that's, to But that's not dominant. good in our sense as well because like less competition, they'll put up the prices as well. Again, and they can't afford to go And the they started anymore. off, Just Eat started off 8%. Yeah. And now well, it's when up to I was 30. It was 30 percent That's a huge chunk out. And the problem is, which I always found, is like, you know, you'll, you'll chance your arm and you might throw an extra few cent on on the menu to make up for the cost of it like you know next thing you have customers saying sure i come into the store and it's that price do you know so you're you're battling with that in terms of different menu costs and customer service then rules over all of it you know but something that i noticed recently and it was only because and look it's the middle it's the middle of lockdown i'm feeling a bit sorry for myself on top of me netflix me disney plus and me prime (laughs) subscription i subscribe to deliveroo plus which basically gives you, you pay a tenner to Deliveroo. I, didn't, I haven't heard of this. Yeah, one. so you basically pay Deliveroo a tenner, okay. and then all of your orders over a tenner, you get free delivery on it. 
Mm. Now, for the amount that I get to live around, yeah. that is a re- I have turned a cost center into a <laughs> revenue-making enterprise in Dave Limited, basically, is you, what I've done to, there. You'll have to write a blog. Exactly, I'm telling you now. But, the cheeky bastards, I went on, because I, I only got this, maybe say, last week, and I went in, and I ordered whatever I came to, whatever, 13 quid, and I was expecting, okay, it's going to be 13 quid, and it came out 13 quid 50, and I was going, I'm on here now, I'm paying these lads a tenner, service charge, <laughs> a service like a service charge and for then they ha- for handling me, for handling I was there kind of going like and that's not going to their drivers like you know that's going into the that's going into the pot like do you know yeah. what I mean that's a revenue element maker so it's always kind of going room, yeah. like I've paid you a tenner to be a su- subscriber and you're still taking 50 cents in terms of subscri- so again as a as a business who's trying to sell to a customer and you I know like Deliveroo are the intermediary but I'm the customer of wherever the chipper that I'm ordering from the Chinese that I'm ordering from for them to be selling back to their customer ultimately someone gets on the phone to the business oh there's a service charge there it's got nothing to do with the business yeah. at all it's all got to well, do no matter with- what and that, and that was always my big issue when it came to issues from a customer service point of view when you're dealing with the public you know and there's an issue with their you know their their product that arrives or the food and it's messed up it's been chucked around it's cold what, there's something missing because maybe the liberal driver got hungry on the way I don't know but no matter what you are the person that's name is on the box you're no matter what you are the person that's in fault even though it might not be your fault and then I find that very hard when it comes to using a third party service because you're putting the trust in them as well yeah no entirely and I, like I've seen it now and I don't know because that's not my gig I'm not in that game but what I've kind of um, noticed is that, look, the takeaways, get it right, right? Because they're used to doing deliveries, takeaways and stuff like that. But keeping the food warm. Mm. And even that goes down to the types of boxes that you're delivering the food but in, I, the bags. and so All that stuff is very important. Because the amount of... But I love they started getting a bit creative. So they started doing, like you can get Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You can get drinks delivered as well. You can, well. You you can know, order you can from get, Aldi, like. Yeah, you can order from Aldi. So like it's... Fair play. Oh, like, I tell, I tell, I tell, I tell, I tell you a story there now. Right? Story last last Friday, I was, uh, I was absolutely exhausted after work. I was sick of dealing with you, basically. <laughs> and I went for a nap at around eight o'clock. I was shattered, so I fell down sleep on the couch. Different Friday night to well, what you were. I know. I usually <laughs> like yeah. Um, woke up at about five to ten. The off license was closed. So I was like, "Fuck! What am I gonna fucking do here now?" Right. So I then trawled Deliveroo basically looking for a restaurant that would sell beer but preferably not at restaurant prices. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That would keep me going for the rest of the night. Anyway, I ended up um, finding a Chinese restaurant and some local Chinese beer anyway. Got six bottles of that and the six bottles arrived. And you know what else arrived? The prawn crackers. Prawn crackers as well. (laughs) Just thinking it'd be brilliant. Absolutely delighted with myself. So I was. Oh, nightmare! I had I had me alcohol and I had me prawn crackers as well. They but just, um, they should do that every five bottles of beer you get. A free you get a free bag of prawn crackers. But yeah, but no, it, look, it just shows you again. Look, there are look these businesses. I think they or these um these apps, these marketplace apps. They are great for the consumer. They've opened up the whole market. But again, in terms of the business sense behind them, in terms of they're losing money. And also the restaurants are losing money because they've got to use these intermediary apps. Um, it's a difficult. It's difficult to see where the future is in this particular in this particular instance. Interesting. I found a a, po- uh, a new feature coming out this week with LinkedIn, which I thought was actually fairly cool. Um, basically, their their whole company page and tab side of LinkedIn, they're basically going at it again to try and, and strengthen it, but. 
They're, it is poor, actually. I have to. I, I don't like it at all. It is getting a lot better, in fairness, and I, and I love the fact that you can do a lot more with the phone now, which I thought was very limiting. You know, even not too many months and years ago, you know, you couldn't do. You had to go onto the laptop to do everything you wanted to do with a company page yeah, on LinkedIn, which was really annoying. But no, in fairness, it's getting a little bit more. We've talked about it here. It's not that it's, get, it's getting a little bit more informal and casual, but it's still, it's it's still got a certain style to it, which I do like. You know, that the content on that suits LinkedIn. You're not being as fun and creative. No, some of the stuff you will put on that gets a great reaction, but you're you're. It's it's funny how you keep some stuff to maybe Instagram stories that you won't put on LinkedIn. Yeah, I've I've given my opinion on LinkedIn before. I don't like it. You don't like it. Well, look, this might change your mind. So anyway, basically, there are a couple of new features coming up. Is lead gen forms to product pages? Oh, um, how sexy! Very sexy. Lead gen. Wait forms for the next one. Swipe pages. up. Swipe up on in LinkedIn stories. Innovative. Um, it's to be honest. I think that's going to come across all of them because you also have the fleets over on, on Twitter as well, which I've been using a little bit. Um, you're going to get a swipe up there as well. You know, it's just, it's coming at some stage. You're all getting confused by one. the different names for which? things across all the different platforms is starting to really, really fuck me off. Because especially if I'm lecturing... Selling, yeah, I was just going to say, you're not selling the fact that you're a digital marketing no, but I'm lect- well. No, but I'm lecturing, but it's just the <laughs> fact that you're ch- like you're changing. From a strategic perspective, it all makes sense. But I basically call them all stories. Because like, that's well, essentially what the they 20, are. The 24-hour one is stories, and then you have your posts. Yeah, exactly. It. That's it. it. That's yeah. basically what it is. Like, but they're all called it. different things, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Christ in heaven. So anyway, for the LinkedIn, they do call it LinkedIn stories. And basically, they're going. what I do like, the main thing I saw was they're going to create a kind of a My Company tab uh, that's built in with the pages. So basically, if I'm a page admin and I'm creating, you know, content on on, um, on LinkedIn, on the, on the business page, I can have like a recommend tool where I basically, I can suggest articles or posts that I've done basically to my business to, to the employees that have registered that are working at the company as content suggestions and they'll basically be able to share it out i think that's really really beneficial if you if you have a big team on linkedin you know to spread the word a bit further because to be honest the actual the the reach and impressions that you get from linkedin are actually fairly high if you if you're but you have to be consistent if you're not consistent you're dead in the water way it does take a time to build it up but once you build it up and be consistent with linkedin it's actually very good and the other side of that then is they're actually going to bring in an analytics feature that will allow you to measure the reach and the impact that you're basically the employee, the advocacy that they are sharing all your content. That's clever, yeah, yeah. Follow the reach and impressions they That's get. Clever. So, you know, that you could actually probably play with that down the line that, you know, you might do a some sort of a, you know, employee program where, you know, if you're getting sharing your content, it's, you know, it's, incentives. It's the, it's the TripAdvisor strategy you know, where if you're a hotel if your employees are mentioned in a positive light yes. on, on, on TripAdvisor, they get a bonus. Yeah. Like it make, no, no it makes for, sense. One for all voucher at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's very clever. And I think, look, definitely going down the route of pushing your, it depends on the, it depends on the industry you're working, but I, I am all for it that, you know, if your, if your company can spread the word for you, it looks really, really good on you. Oh no, no, your employees are your advocates. It's something that's often omitted from your brand strategy in that, like what your company, if you're saying, we're a very, very sustainable company. And then you've got your mate who works at that company down the pub saying, sustainable? You should see the office and the amount of paper that we go through. <laughs> it kind of kill like, you're after spending millions on this campaign and then all of your employees are ripping you to pieces in the, in the background. Like, you know, the employees are one of the most important cogs in that marketing wheel that people often omit, I think. But if you, if you take this tool... And you look at a company, you know, like the big boys, like, you know, that might have two, three hundred people working for them. If they're all sharing the same article, look, the reach now you're after getting on that article, video, whatever it is, 
you can't you can't pay for that. Going back to your your basics of digital advertising, you can't pay for that. So then the question is, and this is me getting very sort of academic and theoretical mm. here now for a second, right? It's your personal profile. Yes. The company doesn't own it. It's yes. your profile. True. So therefore, is this a form of kind of unpaid labor where 100%. you are you are using? your employees status shall we say within whatever community that they're in to promote your brand and you're not rewarding them for that well if they want to share it on their own back it's only a suggestion well that's <laughs> so, no so that that's the that so that's the thing because there's a lot of companies i know now and rightly or wrongly so well it's almost like um it's it's it, it's an unwritten rule that we you expect share, you to share yeah. to spread the good word like i you honestly know? think that 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 comes in more when you go up the ranks um, do you know in terms of a company? No, once again, depends on the industry. But like, take take our industry in terms of marketing and branding. I would expect anyone working in marketing and branding in a company to be talking about their business if they're any, you know, if they're if they're if they're doing it right, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no, it's just it's just an interesting point, wasn't it? Because I feel like if you take a big company, you know, teamwork.com for example, and though their employees sing from the rooftops about how brilliant that and I know that they don't force their employees to do that that's just part of the company culture the two lads have created and they've done a fan, an incredible job at nurturing that company culture which then results in this organic reach out from their um, their employees which again comes across as very very genuine I would just be sceptical or I, I'd be very very interested in terms of things like employment labour law all this type of stuff if you own your own profile and you are using that profile to promote your business or to promote your employer's business, like where where is the reward for you in that? Now with this analytics feature in terms of advocacy, maybe there's something that can be built in there. But I'm kind of, do you know what I mean? Companies yeah, take enough from employees. To yeah, start off, I, you know? I, once again, it's not as long as it's not a forced thing. As long as they don't tell you, you have no, to. Make I'm not, sure I, to I, no, it's, ne- there, it's never it's never a forced thing. Yeah. It's always an unwritten rule. And then you tell them to feck off just as easy, like I know, yeah, the yeah, best of luck with your promotion <laughs> next time around. Uh, any other exciting news pop up for you this week? Um, no, just going back to we were speaking there the last couple of weeks about the importance of content and communicating certain messages and stuff like that, right? And I thought what was what was kind of important, and we're like we've been speaking a lot recently about kind of woke marketing and societal mm-hmm. issues and all that kind of stuff, and how brands are communicating these things in a kind of a, in a resonant way, shall we say. So two examples, one of them I was annoyed by, and the other one was just a really good example of good content marketing. Uh, well, no, actually, they were both examples of good content marketing. I was annoyed with the outcome of one. Um, so one is uh, Lad Bible, and they're basically, after relaunching their um, uh, you okay mate spelled you okay m8 um question mark which is basically all around kind trying, of mental... trying, to vi- trying to visualize it me exactly <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um the kind of mental health scenario around okay. men and stuff like that now and i give the i give the examples in one of my um in one of my classes in terms of like one of the biggest killers of uh, males under the ages of 35 is t- t- testicular cancer mm-hmm. and all testicular advertising cancer advertising is terrible because people aren't going to consume it's too much text people don't know it. It, it doesn't resonate with people basically and they avoid it so there for a number of years ago um a campaign was launched with kind of deadpool basically where they turned it into a kind oh, of a comedy yeah, type yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and it was brilliant because it actually spoke to that audience and in the same way that there was kind of a stigma around kind of testicular cancer and they overcame it with that particular campaign the you okay mate um campaign is kind of doing the same thing so they basically got uh tyson fury and robbie williams to basically do a kind of an interview kind of an informal chat Mm. with each other um about 
their own careers and whatever to shoot in the breeze but then also talking about some of the struggles that they would have speaking to two very different audiences in terms of fans of Tyson Fury versus fans of um fans of um Robbie Williams and so on and so forth but again communicating and taking the curtain down by having real content that people are interested in I think if you have the kind of um the PSA or the public uh, the public health announcement mm. type thing when you when it comes to mental health it doesn't destigmatize it at all because it comes across as again a kind of a public service broadcast yeah. whereas when you have people like Robbie Williams or Tyson Fury or whoever it is talking about this stuff content. yeah and again I'm not advocating you know the certain issues with 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 both of those people in terms of what they've done in the past and stuff like that which we're not going to comment on but just in terms of the content in and of itself I think just really really clever and goes back to this whole idea that if you're communicating brand messaging and you're kind of looking to create content which resonates with a certain audience you have to do it in a way which is consumable by that audience if someone has um an opportunity or a choice to choose between viewing a piece of content on mental health versus what listening to a podcast on sport and those are two of the choices that you have then you have to make sure that the one on mental health is actually really really good content in and of itself for people to consume it and for it to have the the impact that it should have in terms of what they're trying to do so no i thought that was really really good by lad bible and i, I think to be fair to them as a brand i really liked them as a brand kind of um on the on the paddy power shall we say yeah. side of advertising in terms of what they do cheeky tongue, tongue, tongue and cheek kind of thing. absolutely yeah. but at the same time i think every now and then at their heart they do take kind of male health shall we say quite seriously and their content in terms of how they promote that overall i think is very very um very very strong so the second one then and this is the one that annoyed me i'm probably going to get in trouble for this now as usual as usual um so basically burger king um on international women's day brought out a kind of uh they launched a number of tweets um which basically the whole kind of roundup was that women belong in the kitchen. Yeah, they put they, they they put out a tweet literally just saying that. Yeah, but ultimately the overall so there was a series of tweets. Yes, right? but the the main one was that, so that's what caught people's attention. Then you read the yeah, but basically. people didn't really read it. Yeah, that yeah, was the problem. problem. But ultimately, <laughs> what they were but ultimately what they were doing is that we know the old misogynist or sexist kind of stereotype of the women um, the women belong in the kitchen. So they were using that tongue-in-cheek phrase to capture attention, which is what you need to do if you want your message to, to, to hit the right particular audience. And then what they were doing is that they were highlighting the issue of inequality in terms of even though they say that women belong in the kitchen, when it comes to kind of executive chefs, there's a very, very low percentage of them are actually women in comparison to males. So they were trying to communicate that this is an issue and to try and address the issue in a certain way and you had a lot of people kind of coming in and criticizing them because they were offended by this and i was kind of like hang on here now a second half the time people are giving out that these issues aren't being raised at all and they're being forgotten about you now have a big player in the market grabbing the audience's attention in a major way and trying to discuss critically the issues that go on in the in the hospitality sector is it relates to um to female chefs and then you're giving out to them about the way that they've done it mm. and again it goes back to if you do the classic if, if burger king had come out and done a white paper on why there wasn't a lot of female chefs do you think anyone would have they no. wouldn't have grabbed attention they wouldn't have gotten any press they wouldn't have done so like it, it's this classic they're, they're kind use, of they're using their voice that they have which they are unbelievable on social media. Oh, they are not Burger King. In fairness, I yeah. do like Burger King in terms of what they're doing, but I'm just very confused by 
people again um, in terms of what like like what do people want people want to be kind of social justice warriors and coming out and saying oh no companies need to behave in a certain way but then when the end goal which is to raise awareness of a certain issue and companies try and do that then they criticise them saying oh no you're doing it in the wrong way when we all know that the, like if you were to do it in a kind of a, go back to, a go diluted back to, way it wouldn't work go back to like you know when we talk about authentic content and real content and all and keeping to your style and consistency and not doing something that's totally out of abnormal for what you would normally do they took this as you said they took this um, issue and promoted it in their 100% in their way you know so their audience that would follow them meant to be following them for their content that they enjoy consuming that's what they did it for but then as you said everyone else jumped on it so like they put out a one tweet it's obviously going to grab attention which to be honest if they put out a big ream of a text no one would no no read, read it or they just yeah grand like it good luck but the fact that they 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 done what they do best and they grabbed attention and then got you to read the rest they yeah. had you hooked on the first one some people will say it was the wrong way of doing it but look that's their style but it, but it grabbed the te- it, it achieved the objective that yeah. it was meant to achieve if they it had again to, like I said to read the tweet if they had released a white paper, done a big study and done a load of press on it, it wouldn't have been placed anywhere. Yeah. The fact that they created an environment whereby a debate could actually take place. And by the way, you cannot have a debate about something as critical as inequality without offending someone. It's impossible. You just can't have any critical discussion without offending or disagreeing with someone. Um, like you, you as an individual don't have the right to go through life without being offended by something, because you know? people are going to have differing, uh, differing views to you. And in this particular case, it wasn't even that people had differing views to you; they are trying to do a good thing, yeah. and they were now shut off from doing a good yeah. thing. And it's just I find it very, very frustrating. I'm doing a lecture on it there now tomorrow, and I'm going to be telling my students don't be look, don't be following the herd in terms of <laughs> giving out and being offended by everything that goes out there, because it's not going to have an impact. The the alternative was if they did I'll, give, I'll say it again the white paper or they had a conference on or they sponsored big, a something big, uh, LinkedIn article post whatever it doesn't make a difference what it would be um, do you know what that does it's a nice box that you check at the shareholders meeting at the end of the year the woke marketing they're hopping on the bandwagon to do something for the sake of it just to look good um, in ter- they, they took it one step further like basically yeah they tried to do something yeah. actually meaningful as opposed to kind of going half the way there and yeah. not really have any impact I would just kind of look it just kind of shows you again the kind of hypocrisy of society nowadays when again like brands should be criticised because brands are horrible entities anyway do you know what I mean we lie we cheat we steal that's what brands that's what marketers do but every now and then within that ecosystem a brand whilst doing like trying to sell burgers also does something good on top of that and for them to be criticised because of it I was just like oh Jesus Christ I, I just didn't get the I didn't get why people had such an issue with it like they have an issue with the phrase but the phrase is out in the world anyway people use that phrase they didn't make it up what would have been funnier now if imagine like you just see he'd be frog match straight out if they were doing the scheduling or whatever and they messed up the timing and they just put out the first tweet and Forgot about, the forgot about the rest of it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, 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 yeah. Be, yeah that's your career in social yeah. media out the drain. And to be fa- and you know what? To be fair to Bert, like this was the thing as well. But Unlike did, did you say, they 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 took it. They down. put out a retraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, initially, from my understanding of the of the article that I wrote and a little bit that I researched on it, 
Um, initially they kind of explained what they were doing which is what I think they should have done there's no we're making a bloody point here same as the one what was the one cream egg a couple of oh, weeks yeah. ago with the two blokes shipping the face off each other <laughs> and they had to do the exact same thing to be fair to Burger King at least they kind of came out and they said no this is this isn't what we're this isn't a misogynistic yeah. point we're making a bigger point here shut up and let us do our job with yeah. the with the audience that we have but eventually it came back and they apologised and they retracted it and I was kind of gone just stuck to your guns let yeah. you know and look okay like the, like a lot of the press they that was negative but again if you're talking about critical issues you're going to get negative press around it simple as that you'd love to see um this the situation room basically when that happens like you know when everyone's kind of bombarding oh the cmo got a call basically yeah pull, the ba- the pull ba- them all the, in the, ba- the bat phone rang <laughs> Like, imagine just seeing, like, what do we do? You know, I'd say there's, like, whatever about running the social media page for a local business, um, you know, or a national brand, but when you're Burger King, like, there's some serious pressure there in terms of, you know... Oh, audience. you're talking hundreds of thousands yeah. of messages just bombarding, like, and you see the... Do you know I'll if put, you have the... I put the phone on side. <laughs> I've seen it before, actually, Joe. You have in the... They obviously have it in all their marketing, the war rooms, whatever. They have their sentiment analysis scales and what yeah. people are talking about. And you just see a kind of a... The red appearing <laughs> on the screen and going, right, well, that's gone wrong, lads. Yeah. Who tweeted? Yeah. <laughs> um, on the other side of things, I think it's kind of, you know, it's not that not the similar story, but it's on the other side of the, the spectrum is Unilever, a small brand as well. Um, oh, very small brand. We're really about local businesses this evening. <laughs> we are, yeah. So, like, for anyone that doesn't know Unilever, they basically own, I would be safe in saying everything. Like, they own Dove. Yeah, Gillette and all Gillette. them, yeah. Yeah. So, basically, they came out during the week and said that they're banning the word normal. Normal. That's what they're getting rid of, okay? Excellent. It's basically, they're going, they're getting rid of it from their beauty products and they're going down this whole kind of inclusive, you know, inclusive drive kind of to, to promote that side of stuff. But basically, the word normal is getting rid of anything to do with beauty, personal care. They've also decided that, which to be honest, it's a little too late once again, that they're getting rid of the airbrushing, that they're totally banning airbrushing on any That's of their marketing no problem with that. Yeah, no problem with that. But also, they've come out and said that they're getting rid of it. They're, sorry, they're not going to be using any influencers or content creators that use airbrushing as well so they're going a bit fair a little yeah. bit of a step further fair, yeah um basically they done a study of ten thousand people across nine countries and they found that seven in ten people believe using the word normal on packaging so obviously you know this is for normal hair normal this normal bodies basically do people actually say, i've never I've seen never, that, I've, I've never know, seen that on anything this is a big thing during the week i've seen yeah so basically that it has a negative impact when you see the word normal um and that rises to 8 and 10 when you look at the age category of 18 to 35. So they've they've come up with this whole new, I think they call it positive beauty strategy, which aims, now this is the tagline they used, to do more good, not just less harm. I had to read that three or four times to make sure it wasn't do, what's it like they have to do less yeah. do what? more good not just less harm I swear to god if one of my students handed up I, I would be what well no I wouldn't I can't <laughs> smack them just to be absolutely <laughs> clear I would not hit one of my students <laughs> to be absolutely <laughs> clear just P- the- P- like public service announcement <laughs> That would not happen. I would be in serious trouble if I did that. Mm-hmm. But I may it may impact on their grade. <laughs> so basically, uh, what else did they say? That oh, obviously the whole PR side of them came out as well, and they're also um, doing an, a health and well-being drive, and they're 
going to regenerate 1.5 million hectares of land, forest, oceans by 2030, usual, you know, support, sustainability stuff, supporting yeah. the global ban, all this kind of came out with it. But yeah, look, it's interesting to see that, you know, to be honest, it's a little too late. It was just like a bit of a PR grab, like, you know, that they're banning. Well, if they're actually doing it, no, look, airbrushing, yeah, get rid of it. It's it makes fucking, sense, it's, it's all the study show, airbrushing. It's not something that should be news, really. Like, no, know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, look, but at least they're doing it. Most other brands aren't doing it. So, no, I have no problem. I have no problem with that. Um, the, the the word normal thing that's a bit weird to me I've never actually it's, I don't have an opinion of it because I've never seen it anywhere but you see a lot of those kind of companies now changing that they've gone down you know any model based companies they're not just using your you know once again it's very hard to say it without but saying would normal look like, I'm just not like I mean as 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 a man with long flowing locks myself like you know or, or as yeah, a man we, without we long flowing locks yeah exactly yeah. The, the artwork, but yeah. like I would have thought and this is just for me looking at these ads. You would always have like a conditioner for dry scalp, or yeah. or you would have. Um, oh Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm trying to even think of another example. Um, I don't think we're best qualified to talk we're probably about female not, beauty no. products here. Like, well, right? is only female? Well, the, the the majority of them they're looking down the, okay. the Dove line, yeah, um, and those and those brands. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I I I don't have an opinion on it. To be honest yeah. with you, I suppose. Look, it makes. Like, I mean, it does, like, like using the term normal in that context is a little bit stupid anyway. It's that like, whole I mean, idea of this is an, what a normal person looks like. An average person looks like this. But the thing is, you can't do that anymore because, no, they don't. Do you know? Yeah, but they're, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Like, there is, like, there is, like, there is, like, I, but what they're basically saying is that if you're, like, as, like, like, if you buy this, there is a good chance that it will work for you based on your skin whatever fucking complexion or whatever the story is that you have because it, this is works for the majority like that's basically what normal means in this context is it we're going back to the whole side of it like marketers would market that and going back to the traditional like they change that and words get some yeah, quiet you freak take this you look normal <laughs> god's sake now look I don't have an opinion on it Atten is pop up for you there this week why did that blow my mind now to be honest with you um, look the main one obviously is Google Um and they came out uh, last week uh, where they basically said that they are going to no longer sell ads using personally identifiable information from web browsers. Uh, Google already announced that its uh, Chrome browser would phase out support for third-party cookies by 2022. Um, and now, and this is a direct quote from their uh, director of product management, um, David uh, Temkin, and he basically said that we're making explicit that once third-party cookies are phased out, are phased out, we will not build alternative identifiers uh, to track individuals as they browse across the web, uh, nor will we use them in our products and i suppose this is going along the whole lines of google's kind of privacy preserving stuff and um, i think that they are but, coming but to under... me from the from like right okay you would be down more the advertising route than i would in terms of that but is that not their whole business model just out the window so my it is un <laughs> it is unclear what the alternative products are going to be however what i would predict based on what i've read about it what i've heard other people say about it is happening here is that google are basically taking the data that would have previously been accessed by e-commerce sites themselves and yeah. um, they will house all of that data themselves and therefore google will have more control over that whole advertising market effectively because the cookies are associated with third party cookies basically so it allows websites to it allows it allows you as the website owner 
to track other people and what their behavior is on your website and then use Google's product to do away with that. I would presume that this is a response to the calls in the United States to break up the big tech companies because of privacy surveillance concerns and they are being seen to be doing something before the hounds come to the door and make them break up effectively. So I think there's an element of um, of kind of a wolf's in sheep's clothing here. Like they're not going to do away with their data business model. Their whole business model is based on data. That's what it is. So they are going... follows you across the internet. So there is going to be some mechanism there whereby Google maintains more control or at least the same amount of control over that ad market and it takes some of the data power away from your local businesses, your SMEs, your independent retailers, basically, um, and therefore forcing people to use things like Google Merchant, for example. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't... It's unclear what their the products that they're developing are going to be or what that ecosystem is going to look like. Um, they want, want to tell people quick, otherwise a lot of... Uh, Digital marketing experts gonna be shitting themselves out. Well, well, that's oh, the other. Well, have to learn now. Well, that's the well, that's the other thing because on top of that, and there is obviously this war with um big tech between the big tech companies going on at the moment. But um, uh, Apple have also uh, brought in their new kind of opt-in requirement for users of iOS fourteen devices, which basically is a stake to the heart of Facebook's ad model, mm. effectively, because now if you like with Facebook. If you put your Facebook pixel in the back of someone's website, you could track where they were in terms of adding something to cart or whatever the story is. From my reading of this policy, brands are no longer going to be able to do that. So you're not going to be able to create lookalike audiences, not going to be able to create custom audiences, not really going to be able to retarget people based on where they are on your kind of funnel, shall we say. So like, I mean, Tim Cook is kicking the shit out of Mark Zuckerberg. Like, and Apple have been doing this for years. They've been trying to ladder themselves as we provide a product, we provide a luxury brand, we do not buy or sell or use consumers' data to make, to generate revenue. Mm. It's not part of our model. We're trustworthy. Look at us. Picture Tim Cook with a halo around his head. <laughs> and then you have basically Mark Zuckerberg, who they paint as Satan reincarnate, who robs all of your data and lets brands like Wish just sell things to you. <laughs> do you know what I came up and my figure a gun? Did it? Wish were trying to sell me a gun. Did you go for it? No, I didn't go for it. No, I reckon. See how far you get. I did with Brexit. I didn't want to pay the import tax. <laughs> um, but no, it's just, look. I think the whole digital marketing space is going to be pretty transformed over the next while. I think Google are going to have to come up with something different. I don't think it's going to be like it will have to be of benefit to marketers in some way. Like, but I can't see the, the big it. push that's gone down in terms of pay to play. Like, I can't see that being reversed to to push to organic like it's going to there have to be some sort of a new ad model. it's not going to be a push to organic but what I keep on saying to be and the strategy that I would that I would um, that I would say is the best strategy for people don't mind your your pay to play or your organic or your algorithms and stuff like that right your algorithm the algorithm that's on Twitter Facebook um, is what determines what content is put in front of the user if your content is good enough whereby someone is going to actively search for that content and, and find it off the fact of that content is good, then it doesn't matter what the hell the algorithm is because they are going to search for your content. Yeah. Therefore, it nullifies the ad model. It nullifies your... Um, your now, that is extremely difficult to do in a world where you're competing with your Joe Rogans and all the rest. But like, I mean, I would have... It would be... Typically speaking, if I'm browsing through YouTube, it's just a binge browse, right? I'm just looking at things yeah, as they pop down up. The rabbit yeah. holes, they say. That being said, I would probably still have five to ten 
content creators that I would actively seek out and I would type their name into the search bar or I would be subscribed to their channel and I would see what they're actually what they're actually um, producing and that's that to me is your your golden goose if you want a good strategy in terms of building brand because you're not being um afforded the huge amount of uh, costs that you incur with advertising and at the same time um you're not susceptible to the algorithm and changing algorithms and stuff like that that being said like it's easy for to do that if you're like an sme brand you've got a bit of budget and stuff like that like i mean if you're in that ecosystem of competing like i gave you the stat earlier on that i think 90 90% of podcasts um sorry 10% of podcasts have about oh, yeah. 90% of the listeners or something yeah, like yeah. that we're not there yet um we're getting but, there we're getting but there. um but like ultimately the, the that's the ecosystem that you're existing in i would use and i hate facebook but as a marketer and as a consultant, your, I would use them platform. religiously. Yeah. It's what I use to reach, and it works. It really, really does work. Um, Google less so, I would say. I think it it is it's it's more effective in terms of um kind of a high conversion rate, but you you reach less people. Um, so there's less chance of that really big blast, shall we say, in terms of increased revenue. Uh, but it is more effective and it's it's less risk intense, I would say. Um. But the fact that these two companies are now going to have to change their ad model is very, very interesting. And beyond that, then, what I also think is quite interesting is we've always given the example of Apple and them imposing their dominance in the marketplace. If you type in music into um, into your, um, your app store, um, Spotify doesn't show up number one, mm. obviously. In fact, I don't even think it appears in the top five, despite the fact that it is the number one yeah. music streaming platform in the world. And that's because Google owned the channel that you're searching for that for. In the same way that Facebook is entirely reliant on Apple, um, sorry, reliant on Google um, to, um, entirely reliant on Google to, um, to promote their Facebook platform and how people use that and the privacy around that and the terms that they have in terms of if someone is going to use your app via download on our store what rules that app has to play by so there is a huge amount of dominance again like i mean in one way like your likes of your apple and your google are kind of saying oh no don't break us up please look we're starting to behave ourselves whereas in a way it also shows the dominance that these companies have and how they are very very um impactful on the ecosystem because like this change with apple is going to impact every marketer in the world oh, yeah. like it's yeah. Like I was looking at it the other day because I'm looking to build a couple of strategies with a couple of my clients at the moment and I'm obviously teaching students in terms of what to look out for in the future and I'm kind of scratching my head going, what way is this going to go? Like, you know, it's, it's unknown. By the you time they come out of college in four years' time, it's going to be totally different. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 So look, speaking of that, uh, as soon as we kind of get more over the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll bring it into to each episode. But... Um, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, once again, thanks very much for listening. Uh, you can follow us across social media, the usual Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Catch you next week.